In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. This is a CBC Podcast. Buddha Stretch has left an indelible mark on hip-hop dance since breaking onto the scene decades ago. Breaking. Get it? He's worked with everyone from Eric B. and Rakim to Will Smith, pop legends like Mariah Carey and Michael Jackson. Stretch will tell you about the development of hip-hop dance, how Buddhism has helped him survive in the world of hip-hop, and how in the old days before smartphone cameras, you would dance and just not know what you looked like. That's coming up. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. It is Thursday. It's the second last day of our hip hop week here on Q. It's been it's been a lot of fun uh, uh, doing this thing. Thanks for all the kind DMs and emails that you've been sending our way. If you want to get in touch with us, the best way to do that is email Q at cbc.ca. You can drop me a line on Instagram. I'm at Tom Joe Power. But we're doing this because this year marks the 50th anniversary of hip hop, and it's important to note. I think I've said this maybe once before, but it's important to note hip hop is not just the music. It's a larger cultural movement, and a big part of that is dance. And for decades, Buddha Stretch has been a key player in hip-hop dance. He kind of even came up with the term hip-hop dance. And as a nerd for, like, community and folky things, I love the way he talks about, like, the experience of watching a dance art form start to develop around you. Not in schools, not in, like, universities, but in the streets and in parties. And he was on the ground floor for that, and he'll tell you all about it. Stretch began dancing in the early 80s. He was later part of two legendary dance crews, Mop Top and Elite Force. So what happens when hip-hop goes from tapes you pass around in high school to a global phenomenon? Why is roller skating super important to the history of hip-hop dance? And how does the Buddhist concept of equanimity or the middle path relate to hip-hop? Here's my conversation with the award-winning dancer and choreographer, Buddha Stretch. Hi, welcome to the show. Hello, how are you? Thank you for having me. It's a great, great joy to have you. Can you believe uh, 50 years of hip-hop? Yeah, there are some people that seem to dispute that number but uh from the people that i know and the pioneers that i've met 50 years is an amazing time and it's uh, a great year and time to celebrate the fact that we have 50 that we've had the culture for 50 years when did you first hear the music like when did you first discover like hip-hop music um when i was really younger i didn't know what hip-hop music was the first music that i heard were from uh, tapes. They were uh, tapes of uh, hip hop battles with uh, like the Cold Crush Brothers. What's up, fly guy? Hello, fly girl. It's the big soul down. All right, Harlem world. The Cold Crush Boys. This is Fantastic Five. And they ain't no cop. We'll eat them alive. Because we're the best. And when it comes to rap, um, like the, the Force MCs who would actually become the Force MDs and as singers. We are, we are the force, the force, MC, 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 the D, 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 the
you know, so one person have a copy and they would let somebody copy and then you heard copies of a copy of a copy. Isn't it amazing, like, going from something that was passed around in, like, school to becoming, like, I don't know, like a worldwide global phenomenon? Yeah, that's the beauty of it. It's it, it it's the idea of it wasn't about what it became. It wasn't about consumerism and capitalism. It was about expression. And that's the strength of the culture. It, it It's self-expression. And I think that's why it's such a global phenomenon and it gives the individual a chance to have a say and and an audience i want to talk to you about hip-hop dance so my doing the research that i have i know you like grew up with dancing in the home and you grew up surrounded by dancing but like my understanding it was like sort of a combination of seeing people dance on soul train and then like your cousin at a party that got you interested in in this kind of dance am i right about that yeah it was actually a a, a dance the dance called popping it was on soul train and i had been watching soul train most of my life uh just you know as a young kid learning about the music and listening you know that was our mtv uh before there was an mtv and i saw this dance on soul train okay as as you may know they these very creative young men have invented uh, a dancing style that's becoming very popular and it's described as popping or boogaloo or creeping creeping Right, creeping Sam. Right. Creepin and they'll Sam. do it this time to the bar case. Here we go. But it, it didn't inspire me to want to do the dance until I saw my cousin live doing the dance that I saw on TV. And seeing him do it was the inspiration for me because I felt like if he can do it, I can do it. You know, it was it was more relative to me seeing my cousin do it than seeing someone on television do it. Could you do it well right away? Were you good at it right away? Uh, no, I don't think I was good at it right <laughs> away at all. Um, it took time and practice. So it's, it, at this point, it's it's good to mention to people who are listening to this that when we talk about like dance within hip hop, I we were like, well, the way I say it, it sounds like it's a it's a monolith. Like it's a really nuanced term. There are a lot of different forms within it. And um, I've heard you talk a little bit about that this is a good piece of music to understand the nuance of hip-hop dance. Just take a listen to this. So Stretch, can you tell us what we're listening to right now and why it's a good song to help understand hip-hop dance? Ah, it's Vaughn Mason, Bounce Rock Skate. It's actually a, a a funk song and that we played, that we heard constantly at uh, Rolling Ring. And the reason why it's a great song is because it's describing the techniques used in hip-hop dance. Uh, that's one of the songs that I use to teach about, you know, hip-hop technique, uh, what people call grooves. Uh, that, that song you know, is basically singing about uh, movement. And there's actually a line dance that goes with that song. And we use that myself and uh, one of my crewmates, Link, we use that and teach that line dance to teach people the techniques behind the dance. 
I should mention, and, and maybe we should just clear this up for people who are listening to this. When we talk about hip hop dance, um, we're talking about something different than popping, what we were talking about earlier. earlier. And we're, we're talking about something different than like breaking, which I think people might be familiar with. Yes. What it is, is hip hop dance is uh, an amalgamation of those dances. It takes the technique from popping and the stylization uh, from breaking top rock and uh, floor rock and combines them, but also combines them with whatever the latest popular social dance is at the moment. And you're doing this combination of these three things spontaneously. And that's the freestyle element. It's not preset moves. It's, you know, uh, you're trying to express yourself using these movements in tandem. You have the you have the sort of like formative um, dancing of that time, you know, breaking and, and popping, and then you have sort of any sort of contemporary styles that are coming in, anything that's kind of happening in, in pop culture, and it's all kind of it's all kind of folded in in the moment, is what you're saying. Yes, because the the moment is in the music. When you hear a particular uh, piece of of music, it's going to inspire a particular way of movement. And the beauty of the dance is it, it connects directly to the music. There are different cadences and rhythms in hip-hop. You know, there are different kinds of hip-hop. You know, you have uh, classic hip-hop, which was uh, more in tune with live musicianship. Then you had the electronic age with Planet Rock and others. And then you had the boom bap. And then you have trap. And now you have drill. And so all of those different styles of hip-hop music have different movements, you know, that accompany it. So when you were starting out at the, at the beginning days of hip-hop dance, what was the scene like? The thing about it in early on in hip-hop is you had basically it was breaking and then each uh, B-boy, B-girl crew would have one or two poppers as a part of the crew. And, you know, you learned how to do a little bit of everything. That's the difference, I think, in terms of the culture. Back then, when you had the dance, everyone learned different aspects of the dance, and then you had particular people who were good and did specialized movements in the dance. But you learned everything. Like As a, a, a dancer, when I was in my first crew, I learned how to break, I learned how to pop, I learned graffiti. I learned how to DJ. I learned how to MC. Yeah. You did the culture. You didn't do one thing. You did all of hip hop in one thing. You did so. You yes. did all of hip hop in yourself. Not just you were just a rapper. Not just you were a dancer. Yeah, you did everything, and then you got good at something in particular, and you focused on that. But you could still do everything. But and I, it's the same in the dance. If you were good at footwork. You were good at footwork, but you had to have something else. Like you still practiced uh, specific movements. You had to learn how to do a backspin. You had to learn how to do headspins. You had to learn how to float, how to glide, how to wave. You know, everyone, you learned everything. That didn't mean you were good at everything, but you learned everything. But I feel like in, in those in those days, you weren't just good at it. And I'm going to be a bit of a nerd here for a second. Like you weren't just good at it. You were like... Um, you were also interested in like developing it as a form of a like vernacular dance. Like you were interested in, in, in the development of hip hop dance as a form. Well, that's the thing. It developed naturally because as I said, once you get into it and you get good at something, you're going to investigate where that's 
coming from and where you can take it. And that investigation is going to lead you to the connections of the dance. That, that's the beauty of, uh, of the dance. It's growing. It, it, it's an outgrowth of the music, and it happens naturally once you've invested into it. So in that case, it must have been so exciting to watch that dance develop within a community. Well, yeah, that's the beauty of it. When you're, it's exciting because you're dancing with people. Yeah, it's not. You're not in, you know, in your house dancing in the mirror trying to come up with something. It's a social uh, connection with the music and the people that you're around, and the dance is built through interaction. If I'm doing one step, someone's dancing with me. They're putting their spin on what I'm doing, and I pick up on what they're doing, and then I put my spin back on it. And then someone else will join in on the conversation. And now we have different variations of the same thing, which builds up the repertoire uh, of what we're doing. We, we no longer have one step. We have five or six steps. And then we flip that into another step. And now we're building the dance as we're going. That, that's the, the beauty of it, because you're, the interaction of dancing with someone and creating in the moment, you know, the spontaneity of it. It's so it's so exciting even just to hear you talking about it. like where where were the like paint me a picture of where the where this was kind of happening like what kind of parties were you going to what kind of events were you going to like it all sounds so so exciting like where were you dancing in those early days well early on we were uh, we're too young to get into clubs so we were getting fake IDs to try to get into clubs but a lot of the times uh, the first clubs that we went to were roller rinks. <laughs> The, the youth, because hip-hop was a youth culture, you went to the roller rinks and then uh, at particular time, the end of the roller rink, at the end of the night, they would stop, you know, the skating part and the last hour, two hours of the roller rink would just be party and people would dance. You would take off your skates and dance. There's a party in that house and we'll be rocking tonight. So bring your body with you, baby, and I'll make you feel right. That's one of the first uh, places that things would happen outside of when you had park jams or block parties. Now, a park jam is when someone sets up in a park and they set up the music and the people just come and, and party together. And then you have block parties where each block uh, is cut off and the neighbors come out and exchange food and information. And that's how you, you met the people in your neighborhood. And then over time, music and dance were introduced to the block parties. So you would travel uh, in the summertime from block to block. Each block would have their own block party and different music and people. And you would meet the people in your neighborhood and you would see the dance, you know, grow in that way. Hey, girls. Beat boys. Superstar DJs. Here we go. It's again. It's it's just exciting to hear about. One thing I'm I'm curious about is, um, I mean, I've been calling you Stretch. You you know, you're, you're to reintroduce you here. Your name is, is Buddha Stretch, and your father introduced you to Buddhism at the same time as you were discovering um, the scene and discovering dancing and discovering and discovering hip hop. Um, was there overlap there? Like, did did having Buddhism be introduced into your life? That either that spirituality or or that practice or that anchor did that give anything to your dancing at the time? I gave it focus. Uh, I mentioned my dad all the time is because his 
introducing me to Buddhism and chanting for meditation is what gave my dance and all the aspects of my applications in hip hop culture uh, a unique focus. Now I was able to focus in on what I'm doing. Also to look at it from, I approach the culture from a Buddhist standpoint. I always approach the culture from a standpoint of balance. You know, uh, a, stand, a standpoint things. of balance. Yeah, because in Buddhism, one of the, the aspects of Buddhism is the middle way is to find balance. Yeah, you're not you're not going to extremes. You know, extremes take you off balance. But if you stay in the middle, you can move, you know, side to side, front to back, and remain calm. You can r- remain in 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 a uh, a space of uh, calmness and reason. And I think in hip hop culture that allowed me to focus my energies in ways that wouldn't take me into extremes where I would be out of, you know, I would be able to, because growing up I had a really bad temper, Hmm. you know, and that helped me, you know, I inherited that temper from both of my parents. My dad had a very bad temper and my mother did too. And, my dad's introduction of Buddhism helped me calm that and helped me see things from a, a standpoint of always looking at it from a reasonable standpoint, always coming at things from a calm standpoint where I could reason and, and I could approach things from, you know, not from an, just an emotional standpoint, but from a, a, a calm and a, a meditative standpoint where I could, un- there would be a better understanding of what I'm doing. And that uh, approach had, you know, immediately paid dividends in my dance life, in my music life, in the entire culture. It changed, you know, everything about how I saw the culture. I mean, your your name too, I'm guessing. Well, yeah, that that came out of uh, after a, a couple of years. I'd say it was almost a decade of studying Buddhism. Uh, and traveling and meeting other people who were Buddhist and also Hindu and learning different things. Every time I came home from traveling, I would tell my father about what I met and what I learned. And he started to call me Master Stretch. And at the time I was in my 20s and I was very uncomfortable with being called the master of anything. And so one of my best friends and my crewmate, Khalif, uh, who came up with that designation he said I, I i see that you're uncomfortable with master stretch you know with pops calling you master stretch so i'm gonna call you buddha stretch mm. and it stuck it 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 was transformative at that time because it made me understand like okay now this is this designation that i have to live up to you know so i approached everything from that standpoint of how would shakamuni go about this you know how would maitreya go about this? How would they look at this? How could I apply their philosophy and their perspective to what I'm doing so that I do it to the best of my ability? And from a standpoint of it doesn't just benefit me, it benefits everyone I come in contact with. I love that. I love hearing about uh, the middle way or like uh, equanimity, whatever whatever you want to call it, how it, how it uh, impacted both your art 
your your and your personal life and and your family. It's 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 a really um, kind of compelling story. I have I have more music I want to play for you. I want you to take a listen to this. Okay. <laughs> So, Buddha Stretch, can you tell me what that is and why we're playing it for you? Uh, that's Eric B. and Rakim. Eric B. for president, 1986. That's right. Why are we, why are we playing that for you, you think? Uh, that's the, well, that was one of the biggest songs of 1986, but it's also the first uh, music video that I had ever done that was never released. And the first time I got to work with, uh, well, the second time that I got to work with an artist, you know, as a, a dancer and choreographer. It must have been so exciting, hey? I mean, you were, you were telling me a little bit about dancing in clubs and in roller rinks and, and like at, at block parties and stuff like that. But it must have been exciting when you were able to like capture it on video. Well, yeah, it was, th- that was the thing. Uh, prior to that point, I had never done, I had done a music video before that with a local R&B act years before, but we never got to see what we were doing and that video was never released when we shot Eric B for president we shot it at uh, Long Island University in Brooklyn and the thing about it is as they were shooting we would we would get to see what they shot so we it was the first time seeing myself dance wow really and then, yeah and then the following year I went on tour with uh, Houdini and one of the people that worked with Eric B is a, a friend of mine his name is Sonny he actually showed me the video when we were on tour, and that was the first time I got to see us dance together, you know, on screen and to see what we were doing. Because prior to that, there were no video cameras. You know, we didn't get to see what we looked like. That, uh, that's my yeah, – yeah, like that, obviously that's mind-blowing to me. I'm just thinking about like now – I, I have a thing in my pocket right now, Stretch. Exactly. That I could use to, like, I know exactly how to record everything all the time. The idea that you were dancing, not just dancing, but, like, dancing for years, developing a style, being part of a community that developed a style, and you didn't really know what you looked like doing it. That's wild. Yeah, we, we only got, we only knew what it what it felt like and the response from the audience when we danced or seeing someone else doing what you're doing is nice, but it's not seeing yourself doing it. So to to be able to look at a a, a, a clip of yourself dancing and you actually see what you're doing and you, you see like it actually looks how it feels. Sometimes it looks better than how it feels. So it was mind boggling when we first started doing music videos to see what we were doing. And it was like, wow, okay. In the door, I said it before. I never let the mic magnetize me no more, but it's biting me, biting me, inviting me to rhyme. I can't hold it back. I'm looking for the line, taking off my coat, clearing my throat. The rhyme will be kicking it till I hit my last note. My mind remains a fine, all kind of idea. Self esteem makes it seem like a thought took years to build, but still say a rhyme after the next one. Prepared, never scared, I'll just bless one. And you know that I'm the solo whiz, so Eric B, make him clap to this. Make, 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 make a clap to this. Make, 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 make a clap to this. Make, make, make a clap, make a clap, make a clap to this. Make a clap to this. Make, 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 make a clap to this. I don't 
no bug out of chill or be acting ill. No tricks in 86, it's time to build. Eric be easy on the cut, no mistakes allowed. Cause to me, MC means move the crowd. I made it easy to dance to this. But can you detect what's coming next from the flex of the wrist? Say indeed, then I proceed. Cause my man made a mix. If you bleed, he won't need no band aid to fix his fingertips. So I'm on too, there's no rhymes left. I hurry up because the cut will make a bleed to death. But he's kicking it. Cause it ain't no half stepping. The party is live, the rhyme can't be from 1986, Eric B. and Rakim with Eric B. is president. One of the very first videos Buddha Stretch, the award-winning dancer and choreographer, ever danced in. Before that, you heard the first part of my conversation with Stretch. Coming up, you're going to hear what happened when Stretch taught one of his heroes hip-hop dance. And he gives one of the most beautiful answers to the question we've asked every guest this week. What has hip-hop given you? you got to hear his answer. It's after this on Q. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. You're not going to understand the, the movement if you don't understand the music. And the music is tied directly to the culture. So there are, you know, nuances to specific movement that you're not going to understand if you don't understand where that those nuances come from. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. You're listening to my conversation with Buddha Stretch, the award-winning dancer, choreographer, and pioneer of hip-hop dance. And Stretch has had a long career in hip-hop dance. He started out in the early 80s. Uh, he was dancing in, like, roller rinks and in clubs and block parties. And he went on from that to become the go-to choreographer for big artists like Mariah Carey and, and Will Smith. But... Back in 1992, Stretch had one of his most memorable moments where he got to teach hip-hop dance to his own hero in dancing. Here's the rest of my conversation with Buddha Stretch. MJ. MJ is right. (laughs) Michael Jackson, remember the time? 92, I think, right? 92, yes. Yeah. You taught Michael Jackson hip-hop dance? Yes. Shout out to Fatima Robinson. We taught Michael Jackson hip-hop dance. Tell me uh, about that. It was the, you know, uh, after the, the birth of my daughters, it's the most, uh, the greatest experience in my life, basically, to be in a room with the king of pop, someone that I grew up watching, watching perform, dance, sing on television, you know, and to be in a room and to be teaching him, first of all, to for him to be asking questions about this dance that my father used to kick me out of the house for <laughs> was just, you know, amazing to me because I'm like, wow, Michael Jackson's interested in what I'm doing. And not only is he interested, he's asking all these questions and he literally wants to learn as much as he can in the moment. And he's, he was such a, 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 a student and astute professional of what he does that 
it was inspiring to watch because he's at the top of the food chain, yet he's working like he's still at the bottom of the food chain. Was he good right away? He was great because he didn't learn. Like normally when you're, you're teaching someone choreography, you teach them or a step, you're teaching them by count. Michael Jackson didn't learn by count. You had to put the, the step in rhythm and you had to explain it in rhythm. And once you explained it in rhythm, he could catch it, you know, really fast. Did you have any opportunity to ask him any questions? Like, did you, did you ask him like, hey, can you show me moonwalking or anything like that? Well, no. Uh, one of the things that we were asking him uh, that was in the conversation was, you know, had he ever, because ex- he was asking us about the dance. And we're explaining like how, uh, you know, how we dance in the club together and how, you know, he didn't know what that felt like or, you know, about he had seen battles, you know, he knew about battles, but he had never seen one. So we were trying to get him to come to a club, you know, in disguise. And, you know, we tried to get him to put on some baggy jeans and a hoodie and, you know, baseball cap and some Timberlands or, or sneakers and, just come to the club uh, with his face concealed and no one would know and he could actually see, you know, and experience what that was like. Yeah. And we almost got him there, but just before uh, his security and management talked him out of it. Oh, no. I was really hoping that story ended with you sneaking it in. Yeah, no, they they talked him out of it because they didn't believe that we wouldn't let people know that he was... and the thing about it was we were trying to explain, like, you don't have to let us know that you're there. Just show up. No one's going to believe that Michael Jackson's in a hoodie <laughs> and a, 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 a baseball cap with baggy pants on in the club. No one would recognize him. You know, he could put a scarf over his face or whatever. No one would believe that that's Mike. And he didn't have to, you know, let anyone know. But they took it like we would let people know and then paparazzi would show up yeah. and it would be a nightmare. And they didn't get it, so they talked him out of it, and we, he never got to come. On the topic of, of teaching, um, I wanted to talk about that a little bit because my, my understanding is, and I was hoping you, you might be able to talk a bit about this, when you go into a, a choreography situation where you're teaching someone how to dance or you're working in choreography with with dancers, my understanding is that you don't just teach the dance. You, It's important to you that you teach about hip-hop broadly as a culture is that right well yeah you're not going to understand the the movement if you don't understand the music and the music is tied directly to the culture so there are you know nuances to specific movement that you're not going to understand if you don't understand where that those nuances come from it's going to feel like like puppetry (laughs) if you don't if if you don't know it so when I teach the dance, I teach the culture behind the dance. I teach the understanding of how the dance connects with the music. Uh, if you understand the music, then it's much easier to understand the dance and the culture. But if you don't, then it's, it's you know, you're, you, you get people that, that, that they're moving. It feels weird to them. And that's because they don't have an understanding. Once you have an understanding, it feels completely different. 
Before we go, um, I'm going to close off by asking you the question that I've asked everybody who has come on the show for Hip Hop Week. And I'll let you right know right now, Stretch, it's not an easy question, but okay. it's, it's been interesting to see what, and what, what kind of different answers we've been getting from it. It's been 50 years of hip hop. What has hip hop given you? What has hip hop given me? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> A voice. Uh uh, a means of nonverbal communication. I've been to 69 countries. I don't speak 69 languages, uh, but in each of those places, I was able to have a conversation with the, 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 the people there and come to an understanding through music and culture. That's what hip hop has given. That's a beautiful, beautiful answer. Stretchman, what a joy to get to talk to you and, and hear a little bit about your, your expertise and a little bit about your history and your, and your ideas around, around this culture. Thank you so much for making the time. Thank you for having me. This was uh, really uh, fun. I, I, most of the interviews that I do are on video. So to do one on radio is so much more fun because, you know, the interaction is different because I, I can't see you. And, you know, the energy is different and different energy is what's needed. You learn from that. I, I like it because I don't have to get a haircut. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I, I don't know that we're doing this this way. So I'm trying, I got my, my wife's braiding my hair and, yeah. to make sure that I, and then it's like, oh, I don't need to do any of this. So it's like, oh, this is even better. I don't have to get my look on for anything. I could just speak and be, you know, it's much more comfortable. Well, we're, we're really appreciative of you being here. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. your mark, ready, set, let's go. Dance floor pro, I know, you know, I go psycho when my new joint hit. Just can't sit, gotta get jiggy with it. That's it, now honey, honey, come ride. TKNY, all up in my eyes. You got a rider, bag with a lot of stuff in it. Give it to your friend, let's spin. Hey, by looking at me, glancing a kid. Wish your name was From 1997, that was some of Will Smith's Getting Jiggy With It. One of the many videos choreographed by my guest, Buddha Stretch. Before that, you heard the conversation with Stretch, award-winning dancer and choreographer, hugely influential, pioneering figure in hip-hop dance. All right, that's it for this episode of Q. Um, by the way, I, I mentioned this off the top, but I think it's worth mentioning again. Thanks for all the kind comments about hip-hop week. A couple of not nice comments. You got to kind of expect that. But generally, everyone's been really, really nice. And I, I really, uh, really appreciate the, the notes you've been sending in. Q at cbc.ca is the best way to do that. The other episode um, we have, have up today is not about like a pioneer of hip hop dance, the what Buddha stretches. It's about sort of the next generation, in particular, the next generation of Canadian hip hop. Charmaine, she won the Juno Award for Rap Single uh, of the Year. Like, she only started rapping like very, very shortly before that. She'll be here to tell you her incredible story of how she got involved in music at all. Go check that out uh, wherever you got this podcast. Okay, we'll see you soon. Later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.